0: Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Leader and Kentucky.com, and on today's podcast, we're going to preview. The Tuesday night champions classic clash between the Kentucky Wildcats and the Duke Blue Devils up at Madison Square Garden in New York. It's a 930 start on ESPN. I'd say a 930 start. Uh, it'll probably be a little later than that. It's the second game of the doubleheader with Kansas and Michigan State facing off in the first game. But then in the second game, it'll be Kentucky versus Duke. John Calipari against Mike Krzyzewski. Coach K, as we know, announced before the season that this will be his last season. He's retiring at the end of the season. Uh, as that's the Duke coach, and to get a scouting report on the Blue Devils, I talked to Steve Wiseman, who covers Duke for the Raleigh News and Observer. And for a scouting report on Kentucky, I talked to Jerry Tipton, who covers UK basketball for the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. So let's not waste any time. Let's get right to it. First, our Duke scouting report from Steve Wiseman of the Raleigh News and Observer, and then we'll follow that with Jerry Tipton of the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Okay, my guest now on the podcast is Steve Wiseman of the Raleigh News and Observer, who covers Duke Athletics and Duke Basketball and Kentucky and Duke, of course, playing in the Champions uh, Classic on Tuesday night up in Madison Square Garden in New York. How you doing, Steve?
1: I'm good, John. Good to talk to you. It's good to be uh, talking about Regular season, real basketball games coming up, and uh, people in the stands again. So we're getting back to some normal,
0: huh? Yeah, at least some sense of normal. A lot more normal than last year, and it certainly wasn't a normal season for Kentucky or Duke last year. Uh, neither one of them uh, being in the NCAA tournament. What? What was? Let's start there. What was last year like uh, for Duke and covering Duke? Obviously, you know, not a typical Duke season. Not just the fact without fans, but just the way they performed during the year.
1: Yeah, it was really, you know, like everybody—the whole bizarre thing about, you know, covering games on TV, not being in the in the building. Right. Uh, they, they didn't have any media in the building, and or fans or anything. So they're very strict about that. And uh, we did all of our interviews by Zoom, so you don't get to work the locker room or talk to people in person. You know, as a writer, that's a big part of what we do—is what we see and what we do and what we, you know, talk to people. So right. uh, that was different. At all um, only got to see him play in person just a handful of times because. Uh, some visiting venues allowed people in, but you know most of them didn't. And uh, so then, as far as the team, you know, it was just a really disjointed group because, you know, the freshmen came in and uh, they didn't get to campus until about August. Normally, they get in in June, late May, early June. They work out all summer. None of that happened. And again, you're as you know, Kentucky, you're counting on a lot of freshmen to play right away. Jalen Johnson was the big, you know future lottery pick uh, type guy. And, um, uh, you know, he he played a little bit early and then he hurt his knee and he was out for a month. And then, of course, he ended up uh, opting out of the season and then leaving school. So that was unusual in itself. Without the pandemic, you know, you got that going on, right? So uh, they they weren't a very good defensive team. They weren't a very good shooting team. They just they get a little momentum going, then they lose two or three in a row and they just never could. It was a very frustrating year, I think, for everybody involved over here.
0: And then, of course, leading into this season, you have the big news with Coach K, Mike Shishetsky, announcing this will be his final season. Were you surprised by the announcement?
1: Uh, by the timing, yes. Not not that he was it would do it in this manner. I had been told that he would, you know, like to have uh, a succession plan. Some people are calling it a farewell tour. He kind of bristles with that a little bit. He says it's more like, you know, he was in the military. If you, <laughs> not you're going to retire, you the person that's going to replace you works side by side with you for about six months or so it's kind of how they do it in the army and uh uh so that's what he wanted to do with john shire so uh, it all worked out uh you know he made the announcement in early early june so that allowed john shire to go on the road and do all the recruiting for next year's class and coach k to stay in durham and work with fishers players um so he knows them you know intimately more infinitely more than he, than he did last year's team so um, you know, we we all knew this day was coming. You know, with Coach K, and he's going to turn 75 next February, uh, so he's on the in his final few years. But um, you know, he he seemed energized last year. He didn't, I know he didn't want to end last his career on last season, right? right? So, yeah, he definitely wanted to have another shot at it. He thinks you know th- this team has got the potential to to go after that sixth banner, which he which he wants to win at Duke.
0: Uh, you mentioned about that he had, because John Chire had been out recruiting, uh, Coach K could spend more time with the players. And I read in a story where he said that he had spent more time with this team than he had probably uh, a decade or more with a team going into the season. What kind of effect do you think that'll have? What kind of positive effect will, will that have with this team?
1: Yeah, I mean, he was able to be with them. You know, the, you know, the off-season work you're allowed to do, the, was it four hours a week or whatever? So he could be in the gym with them then. They can scrimmage a little bit Um uh, and he's there all the time. I mean, he's not jetting off to see a recruit or, or even before that, you know, all the stuff he do with USA basketball. So we're talking about right. that started in 2005. So we're talking, you know, the 2004, 2000, early 2000s, last time he had this kind of time with, with players. And so uh, it, it should, you know, he, he knows their games better. He knows he could spot something right away that somebody maybe wasn't doing right. Or somebody wasn't catching on quickly enough to something that. Uh, with defense or whatever you know offensive plays they are doing, and he could jump on it right away and kind of you know, head it off and 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 fix it uh, in summertime, right? before you know last year talking about doing that, you know it wasn't until September before he was able to get that kind of thing. So there should be a better defensive team. Uh, the personnel will allow for that. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but just the cohesion and the his knowledge of the players and and they're all, all kind of pulling on the same rope right now. They all know what they're all what they're all aiming for, and that's the championship.
0: Okay. They had an exhibition game the other night. I think uh, their only exhibition game right before the game against Kentucky. Uh, right. Right. Uh, playing uh, Winston Salem State, obviously an overmatched team. But how, how did you think Duke looked in the exhibition game?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, you kind of throw the score out just because uh, the difference in talent. But you know, they uh, you got to see a lot of the. Um, the, the up tempo where they'll be able to play because they have so many ball handlers, you know, when they're on the court. Because uh, Paulo Vancaro is a six ten, two hundred and fifty pound forward, but he can he can handle the ball in the in the in the open court. He can pass, you know. He's kind of like that type of player now, right? He's not really a back to the basket big guy. So you get him out there along with uh, Trevor Keels and Jeremy Roach, and Wendell Moore, uh, yeah, handling the ball, and they only have one really you know big, and that's. Mark Williams, the seven-foot sophomore coming back. So they're, they're very athletic. They're going to get out and get a lot of transition baskets. So that's what an opponent will have to try to stop because, you know, easy baskets that way. And, uh, you know, they they look, they look pretty good defensively. They look – they're sturdier. They're more physical than last year's team. And that kind of stems from the guys they brought in. Trevor Keels is 6'4", 220. Last year, DJ Stewart, the guy that came in, was a one-and-done was more like six three one ninety, right? So he does kind of get shoved around a little bit. But this year's team, that's what I noticed in the exhibition and the, the scrimmage they played, the, the blue-white scrimmage uh, on opening night, uh, was – they just look sturdier. They should be able to handle, handle themselves on the court a little better just because of that.
0: Well, talk talk about – is it Bancaro or Banchero? I've heard it both ways.
1: Yeah, it actually is Bancaro. We got that clarified once he got to campus. <laughs> Good. Well, talk,
0: <laughs> talk about bankero i mean obviously a very highly touted group uh, coming in out of seattle uh, like you mentioned very uh, multi skilled player you've seen a lot of great players there at duke uh, i guess it's pretty early to make definite comparisons but uh, uh, what, what about this kid how good can this kid be
1: yeah he can be uh, you know as good as as any of the the one and done's they've had and that includes you know he's a little bigger than like an rj barrett right rj barrett was 67 uh, he was more of a wing. Van uh, uh, Carroll can go inside and do things too. So he's he's big and stocky and 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 thick. I guess like kind of like Zion Williamson, but again, he's a little taller than that. Uh-huh. <laughs> so those are the most. I guess maybe Marvin Bagley comes to mind maybe because he's kind of the same size as Marvin Bagley, and uh, but he can shoot and he likes to hit a pull up three pointer. So that's a little Jason Tatum ish. Um, Jay Billis uh, this week uh, you know compared him to Danny Ferry. Mm-hmm. As far as a big guy with skills, with you know the the the, uh, the dribbling ability, the passing ability, he's a little better than that than than even Bagley showed, you know, when he first got to campus. So, uh, you know, he he looks like I mean he's already projected to be you know a top five pick, maybe the number one overall pick. So that's the kind of ceiling he has, and and he he looks like he can he can you know check all the boxes for that stuff.
0: Uh, before we get to the holdovers, talk about the other freshmen. What what about the other freshmen, and how much of an impact do you expect those guys to make?
1: Yeah. The other one is, is, is Keels. I mentioned him a little earlier, Trevor Keels, who is a six four, two twenty, like a shooting guard. He can handle the ball. Some, you know, run the offense if he has to, um, again, he's just a, a more physical guy. It looks like he's prepared to play top flight division one basketball from, from the beginning here from the jump. And it shouldn't be much of a transition for him. And he's got a really good, um, you know, kind of attitude, kind of a toughness attitude, um, I heard a little story when they play their scrimmage with Villanova that, uh, you know, he was down to kind of Villanova and Duke and he picked Duke, right? So um, some of the Villanova players were, you know, they they they'd get together during a timeout of the court and you order a foul or whatever and say, attitude, you know, that was a big saying, attitude. And at one point during the game, he noticed they were kind of sniping at one another about somebody missing a play on defense or something. I'm talking keels here. And he said, attitude, attitude, and kind of <laughs> clapped his hands, like, you know, kind of get, you know, so there's a freshman doing that. It's a close <laughs> scrimmage, right? But I mean, yeah. that just kind of tells you what he's about, right? He's yeah. um, he's not going to back down from anybody. So that's something that they really didn't have last year that they really need, and and that that attitude should help them.
0: But what about the other guys, uh, uh, Blake's and uh, and AJ Griffin? I know AJ Griffin has been hurt, but didn't uh, I think I read that he did play the other night in the exhibition?
1: Yes, he did come back in the exhibition. He'll be a he'll be a main cog. Uh, Blake's is more of a, a deep reserve behind um, you know, Tre- Jeremy Roach and Trevor Keels and in, in, in the backcourt there. He'll get some playing time, but I think Griffin will be ahead of him as far as the, the minutes he'll get. And he is coming back from injury. And this is a guy that, you know, he missed all last season. He didn't play as a as a senior in high school, and he missed all but twelve games of his junior year. He played twelve games as a junior, so he hadn't been on the court very much, and, and you know, missing uh, two or three weeks here with a sprained knee in October wasn't uh, ideal uh, for him. So he'll be a little bit behind, uh, but he did come back and play and looked pretty good, didn't look like he had any limitations in that exhibition. So um, I, I think you know he could move into the starting lineup as the year goes on. He's got that kind of ability. He's about 6'7", 215, 220 again, so another physically strong person, uh, player. Uh, but again because of that injury he's going to be a little bit behind so i would see him being right now probably the seventh guy off uh, second guy off the bench so number 7 kind of in the rotation
0: what about the other freshman on the roster stanley borden the kid from turkey is he more of a project type player
1: yeah definitely he's not, he's not going to get any playing time he he was he was brought on he was already on campus and somebody spotted him and he came out as a walk on and i was told they looked at him in practice for a week or two before they even decided to make him an official walk on he was that kind of a raw raw player so that's not somebody to worry about as far as any kind of playing time this year or anything okay
0: now that let's let's move on to the holdovers and, and there are a few you know it's not a completely one and done team got some holdovers from last year uh especially when you talk about uh jeremy roach and and uh the big kid the center uh williams what what, yeah. what joey baker what about those mm-hmm. guys and what kind of impact do you expect them to make
1: yeah, I mean, right now, you know, three of them in the starting lineup, and that's that's probably what's going to happen on Tuesday against Kentucky, is, you know, Wendell Moore uh, Jr., uh, uh, the most experienced guy as far as p- games played on this Duke roster. That's easy to do when you turn over the roster all the time, but right. they actually have a guy who's in his third season, which you don't get a lot of, at, 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 as you know, at Kentucky or Duke. Right. And then uh, Roach will be starting in the backcourt. Now, the interesting thing about him is he and Trevor Keels were high school teammates back in Virginia, so... Oh. Keels comes in, he already knows Rose, they already know each other's games, you know, they're, they're really good friends, of course. So, uh, that, that again, we talked earlier about cohesion, I mean, you should have that you know right off the bat with those two guys. And then, uh, you know, Mark Williams, at the end of last year, was playing tremendous, tremendous basketball. I mean, you know, we're talking 24 points, 18 rebounds, you know, four or five blocks. It took him a while to get going, uh, to adjust the college game. And uh, you know he's he can really be a force in the middle, I and mean, he he can give some easy baskets in the half court, which obviously you always want to have. And he's is a, a force, you know, rim protector, on uh you know on the uh, on the other end. So uh, you know, Moore, Roach, and, and Williams right now are in the starting lineup, and and so you're building around you know guys that have experience uh, in in the system and everything. And uh, Joey Baker is be the senior. He's a more of a, again, kind of a reserve. He'll probably be behind A.J. Griffin right now. Uh, he's a three-point specialist, kind of limited defensively. But he's he's the only guy on the roster that's played in the NCAA tournament for Duke. How about that? Really? Nobody wow. else has played in the NCAA tournament for Duke. Uh, so that gives him a little edge, I guess, in that, that department.
0: Got a couple of transfers, too. Theo John from Marquette and then Bates Jones from Davidson. Do you expect them to be a factor?
1: I expect Theo John definitely to be a factor because – Uh, That's one thing about Mark Williams. He's big and and he can't, you know, uh, he's not able to play 30 minutes a game. You know, because especially he kind of loses it on defense a little bit with ball screens, so he'll be a little slow reacting, and that can cost him. So Theo John comes in, uh, you know, who's a starter the last three years at Marquette in the Big East. Uh, He's played in the NCAA tournament before. Uh, He played for Steve Wojciechowski, the former coach there, obviously a former Duke player and assistant. So, Uh, They're very familiar with, uh, you know, he knows how to play in this type type of system, right, style. Uh, He will be a major factor for for Duke. I mean, they needed somebody. They didn't have anybody behind Mark Williams last year, and he got exposed quite a bit. That won't happen with Theo John this year. He is solid, you know, 6'10", 250 in there, um, you know, rebounder, uh, post-defender. They'll swap them out. They may both play 20 minutes a game or maybe 25-15 and on some nights, but, he, they needed him big time and then his, uh, Bates Jones would be more of a deeper reserve he's a 6-8 guy who played it uh, was a reserve at davidson um his brother's daniel jones you know the quarterback who's got with the giants that we, right. um was here at duke and uh, so family keeps going here at duke he's coming to <laughs> using his covid year but uh, he's is he hit, he hit a couple three-pointers in the exhibition game so he's got a little bit of an outside shot they may bring him in there but again he would be more of a of a deep reserve in case they you know need somebody to come in to get a lot of foul
0: trouble. Okay, uh, Steve, in this portion of the podcast, I usually ask for keys, but it seems kind of crazy to, when we don't know much about either team, kind of uh, a lot of new guys on either team, to say what are the keys for Duke to get the win. Instead, I'll ask you, what, what will you be looking for on Tuesday night or any areas of the game in particular that you want to see how Duke plays or how they react when they uh, go up against Kentucky on Tuesday?
1: Yeah, I mean it, it seems always with Duke, you know, if they don't if they're if they shoot poorly from three point, that usually sinks them, right? If they're on one of those nights where they're five of nineteen or five of twenty, whatever. And but now they have, like I said, Mark Williams in the middle, they have Ben Carroll They can go in there and get some baskets. I wanna see if they if they keep popping the three, which is obviously a big part of the offense, uh, or if they like shut it down and say, no, we're just gonna feed it inside, we're gonna take the higher percentage shots. If they react that way, because that was something last year that would they didn't have that that option, and so they didn't win as much when they didn't shoot well. When they shot well, it could be anybody in the country, which I guess is the case for lots of teams. But right. um, so that's what I'll be looking for there. And then obviously defensively, how they defend in the half court, um, you know, on ball defense out out top, uh, because with Mark Williams or Theo John back there, you can take some chances because maybe they're going to protect you know protect the rim a little better. And you can see if you can get out and transition that way or, you know, you never want to get beat off the dribble for a straight line drive, but you do have somebody back there to protect you. So I'm going to watch on that too.
0: Well, it should be. It's always fun when Kentucky and Duke get together. It should be an interesting game. Obviously, at Madison Square Garden in New York on Tuesday night. It's the nightcap of the doubleheader. I think a nine thirty start. We're never crazy about that, but we have no, no. control over that situation. <laughs> uh, Steve, tell the listeners how they can follow you on Twitter and how they can check out your work uh, online leading up to the game and after the game.
1: Yeah, John. Uh, I'm at um, uh, newsobserver.com is our website. Newsobserver.com. No. Periods or hyphens in there. That's the Raleigh News and Observer website. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Steve Wiseman NC. That's NC for North Carolina. Steve Wiseman NC. Uh, and you can follow everything there. Um, you know, all the Coach K final season stuff, you know, we're working on those things. Big package going to run uh, leading into the game, uh, online aspect of it, the whole thing. We're going to be, you know, covering the game. We'll have multiple people in New York for the game, uh, for his last game at Madison Square Garden, which wow. is a big deal. For Coach K, he set the record there when he beat uh, past Bob Knight, and he won his thousands game beating St. John's in that arena. So it's a special place for him. And uh, we'll have all our coverage uh, up on the website there throughout the, the week.
0: Well, be sure and check that out. Steve does a great job. Find McClatchy Paper, the Raleigh News and Observer. Uh, they do a great job covering uh, uh, Duke and North Carolina and all of ACC basketball. Steve, we really appreciate you being on the podcast. Glad to be with you, John.
1: Thanks for the invite.
0: Okay, my thanks to Steve Wiseman of the Raleigh News and Observer. And after the break, we'll be back with Jerry Tipton of the Herald Leader in Kentucky.com. Okay, my guest on the podcast now is Jerry Tipton, my friend, colleague, and UK basketball beat writer at the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. How's it going, Jerry?
2: Good, You're
0: going, doing fine. Uh, Kentucky Duke Tuesday night Champions Classic. I believe it's a nine thirty starter somewhere around there. After the first game between Kansas and Michigan State, uh, Kentucky's played two exhibition games. Uh, fairly easy win over Kentucky Wrestling in the first one, and then on Friday night had some trouble in the first half with Miles College before uh, coming on in the second half to win. Uh, what? It, what? First of all, what do you think of this team after? Uh, to, I know it's hard to tell from exhibition games, but what, what's your impressions after these two games?
2: Well, I, I nothing really changed too much of what I thought uh, going in. I think they've got a lot of parts and a lot of guys who can put the ball in the basket in various ways. I guess you would, as John Calipari did, you would uh, point out that the defense could be better uh, against, uh, as you know, Against Kentucky Wesleyan, uh, John Calipari was lamenting that uh, their inside defense wasn't as good as he would like. Uh, Kentucky Wesleyan had a guy get 29 points, a guy, a lot of them around the basket, and uh, and then uh, maybe they overcompensated. And uh, against Miles College, and Miles made 11 threes in the first half, and you know any team that shoots like that. You know, I remember Rick Pitino saying that's the great equalizer, and uh, it, it looked that way in the first half. Now they they kind of, uh, as you know, uh, contained it in the second half. It was kind of a feast and famine kind of thing, and uh, so. But but I think they're going to be good. I, I don't have any doubt about that.
0: But, okay, the the three pointers that Miles made in the first half last night—did you think that those were well guarded? Miles was just throwing them in, or was Kentucky having some defensive lapses to leave guys open?
2: Well, I think it was some of that of leaving guys open. And after the game, they talked a lot about uh, you know when they would contest the three, they didn't have their hands up. You know, they didn't like try to at least distract the shooter. Right. And uh, so they just had open shots and they made them. I mean, I you know, 11 that that, that right. was pretty amazing uh, for a half. That's pretty good. That's really good yeah. for a game. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, you know, that obviously, you know, things happen in a game. I don't want to get too carried away. Right. And in any individual game, things can happen. But uh, but yeah. I mean, you know, you don't you don't want to give up 11 threes again
0: and again. Okay, what about on the offensive end? Uh, well, let's go back to the defensive end for just a little bit. They'll talk, uh, Cal Perry, after the game and talking to the players, they really gave a lot of credit to Severe Wheeler for the way he played in the second half. I know uh, uh, Jacob Toppin and I know Kellen Grady both said that he kind of ignited them in the second half. What did you see from Wheeler last night?
2: Well, I thought he was just really impactful at both ends of the court. I mean, the defense really jumped out at you. They want him to be disruptive like they would like a point guard to be. And I thought he was. And the Miles uh, College coach said afterwards that they basically took the ball out of their point guard's hands just to get it away from Wheeler's defense and had somebody else do uh, some of the ball handling, which I thought was pretty significant, even though it was a Division II team and all that. And then I kind of overlooked, or at least uh, maybe didn't give enough credit on the offensive end, a lot of those uh, straight-line drives right to the basket by Wheeler. Uh, You know, that's kind of a signature part of uh, John Calipari's offense, those drives to the basket. He's very good at that. So, yeah, I think the point guard position you would have to think is in good hands.
0: What about the con- the combo of, of Wheeler and Ty-Ty Washington? Cal said last night, those guys, they may have to play you know 30 minutes a game. Uh, wh- what do you think of how those guys have looked so far?
2: Very good, both of them. I, I, I mean, I, I myself would prefer that Wheeler be the point guard, mm-hmm. or at least the first of the point guards, and then Tai ty could play at some. And Ty-Ty is such a good shooter, and, but he can handle the ball and all of that. So, you know, it. it but that would be the way I would do it, not right. that anybody cares about that.
0: <laughs> but that's the way Coach Tipton would do it, huh?
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I like Wheeler at the point, and I like Ty-Ty. Uh, making plays also, I don't mean that he, he's not going to be doing that. Right. But uh, I, I think uh, – I started to say that wouldn't be his primary thing, but I don't want to go that far. But I, I just think you know, let's not forget the shooting and the scoring ability there also.
0: Right, Wheeler hit a couple of threes last night. When that was the knock on him coming out of Georgia, would he shoot twenty-two percent from three? Three. He's got kind of a different looking shot from the perimeter, but he made a couple of them last night.
2: Yeah, he should get some open shots since. Uh, I think you have to play him for the drive, mm-hmm. and so. You know, he will have opportunities, I would think, to make, uh, to have open three point shots. Right. And, you know, we'll see how it plays.
0: What about uh, talking about Wheeler? Uh, you know, a transfer. What about uh, the other couple of transfers that played last night? Of course, we haven't seen CJ Frederick yet. He's hurt. Cal said last night he's scheduled to practice today, which will be the first time he's practiced in a in a long time. So I doubt that he would be available for Duke, but we'll see. Well, how did you think uh, Grady and and Oscar Shibwe played last night?
2: Yeah, I thought uh, I thought Grady played pretty well. He had 13 points and uh, made three of three on threes. Sheepway was, you know, he only had uh, four points, although he did have 12 rebounds. I mean, he's going to be active. He's going to rebound. Uh, but Cal said afterwards that uh, I think he limited his minutes somewhat. I think he said in the first half. I don't remember him saying specifically what the the problem was. But uh, I so I had he missed some
0: time for he's missed some practice time, right? for right? Hip injury. Right.
2: Oh, okay, the hip. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, you know, I would think I'm guessing, of course, that uh, you know, let's not uh, take take any chances against Miles College. Let's make sure he's ready to go against uh, Duke. Uh, yes, Duke, right. Right. Uh,
0: anybody else stick out to you uh, over these first two games, the way they've played, pro or con?
2: Well, I think they just have a lot of parts, as uh-huh. we all, as we know. I thought Dante Allen had a good second half doing more things than just shooting. That's kind of, you know, there wasn't much to him last year beyond just catch and shoot. Right. And he had a couple of blocks last night, had three rebounds. I thought he was just more active uh-huh. beyond the shooting. Right.
0: What about Toppin? I thought Jacob Toppin played. You know, he didn't play in the first game against Kentucky Wesleyan because I think he was banged up a shoulder or something. Uh, last night, I thought he was pretty active, and I thought he played pretty well. I think he could be a key guy on this team. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, he certainly can be a contributor. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, that's the thing. As, as they've said again and again, they've got uh, maybe as many as 12 guys that can be contributors. And on any given night, one guy could, you know, kind of be the man. I think Cal has talked about riding the hot hand, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I, you know, you could. There's, there's many uh, players there that, that have the raise hand feature, so to speak, <laughs> and uh, so we'll see, we'll see on any given night who it is. Right.
0: <laughs> That raised hand feature from all our Zoom calls with these coaches. Yeah, I had
2: way too many of those. So, yeah, it's (laughs) kind of infected me now. I got to remember that for a story the raised hand feature.
0: (laughs) You told me last night that you'd start digging into Duke a little bit, trying to research Duke. So, you're not playing them one in a time. You're looking ahead a little bit, uh, which I think is is natural. Uh, How do you, any idea yet, or will it just, uh, how Kentucky might match up against Duke, or is it just going to be a total mystery because both these teams are—they've got some uh, holdovers back from last year, but not a lot. Right? Um, I mean, any idea how these two teams match up on Tuesday?
2: Well, just a first impression from just reading about Duke was—it uh, seems like they have—they uh, have some imposing big men. Right. uh a seven-footer back, uh, Mark Williams. Mark Williams. Right. And uh, the freshman, Apollo Benchero, if I'm pronouncing that right, Mm -hmm. power forward. So that's, uh, you know, that could be interesting uh, if uh, Oscar is not uh, 100 Mm percent, that that could be something to watch. You would think just reading and watching Kentucky that uh, Kentucky might have the edge in the backcourt and uh, it would be it's always nice to have the an edge in the backcourt. So, uh, yeah, I think it's an intriguing matchup, which of course you would expect it to be. And uh, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah. Cal trotted out last night, the line of his about that. If you don't have a post presence, you know, you're a fraud as a team. And I took it to mean he wasn't sure that they had a post presence yet, uh, and especially as you mentioned, Duke's got the seven footer. They got the f- freshman who I think can play. When we talked with uh, Stephen Wiseman of the Raleigh News and Observer for uh, the Duke Scouting Report in this podcast, he said he can play all over the floor, but he can also definitely play inside and score inside. What did you take from Cal's uh, comment last night about post presence?
2: Well, yeah, he is. Yeah, I think he said that after the first uh, exhibition, also that they were trying to establish Oscar a, a, in the post. And I don't think I don't remember a lot of that mm-hmm. uh, in either exhibition game. Yeah. It's been more where offensive rebounding and putbacks right. has been, uh, and which is good too. There's nothing, uh, you know, nothing wrong with that. Right. Or drives and uh, lob up and, and dunk it. But uh, I don't think they've established anyone yet. of course, it's very, very early. They haven't even played a game yet, a real game. But, uh, you know, they haven't established that post-presence that the defense is going to have to react to, at least not yet.
0: What kind of factor do you think in the game Tuesday night? It's going to be that it, this is Coach K's last year. Mike Shashetsky's announced his retirement. This is kind of his farewell tour. I believe this is his last game at Madison Square Garden. I think Steve said that uh, you know the way that this this will be his last trip there. It's been a big uh, deal for Duke playing in Madison Square Garden and for Shashetsky. Is that going to be kind of an overarching theme over the game on Tuesday? You think?
2: Well, I wrote about that for tomorrow. Uh, in, Sunday, uh, in the Sunday notebook, uh, talking to uh, the Duke had a teleconference yesterday with a couple of players, and I asked them about the impact, the effect of uh, Coach K. And then also Jay Billis, uh, he was on a teleconference, and J.J. Reddick was on another one. And so, you know, it's an interesting dynamic in the sense of it's a motivational thing, you would think. Mm-hmm. But it could it be... Uh, uh, a distraction, or or maybe adding pressure, and from what I've read and, and heard from these people, you know, Shashevsky is trying to downplay that. Right. He doesn't he doesn't want that to become like a cause, although you would have to think. You know, it, on some level it is. Right. And, and they're one, just like at Kentucky, They don't, nobody wants to be on the team that uh, doesn't uh, uphold the Kentucky tradition right. in basketball. And so this will be the same, what you would think is the same sort of thing, only even more so mm-hmm. with the coach's last roundup.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, Kentucky-Duke, always big game. It doesn't matter when they play or where they play. Uh, it's always a big game it gets the fans attention of course everybody thinks of the late game and the 98 uh, game when kentucky came back and beat duke in the tournament when they went on and won the championship are there any other kentucky duke games that stand out to you that are kind of favorites of yours
2: well i don't know about favorites but another one is the the, the opener was it three years ago uh, oh yeah duke, in duke won yeah 118 to 84 and uh I saw something that I never saw before and don't expect to see again. (laughs) At the first TV timeout of the second half, the Kentucky fans were leaving in mass. And, of course, it was a late game like this one Tuesday will be. I would be surprised if it starts much before 10 at night. Mm -hmm. And and by early in the second half, of course, it was over. Mm -hmm. You knew Duke was going to win decisively. I mean, it was men against boys. And uh, so we'll see. I mean, who knows? But uh, I would. Uh, that's another one that jumps out at me yeah. Uh, yeah. that I think about. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> definitely. There was another one where uh, Rashad Carruth, he was a freshman and I want to say they played in New Jersey. Oh, yeah. And he, he had a good game. I can't remember who won. Yeah. But I think he, I had the feeling afterwards that he kind of felt like that he had established himself as the man mm-hmm. in that game, and he was maybe sort of overstating the uh, – the. he had a good game. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, not that good.
0: <laughs> and thanks, and he, never, and he didn't have that good a career at Kentucky either. So.
2: <laughs> no, so, I think he got a little disgruntled, yes. what it seemed like, that he wasn't anointed as the man the man
0: right <laughs> well it'd be Kentucky and Duke Champions Classic on Tuesday I am not making the trip but Jerry will be there in New York at uh, the Mecca Jerry Madison Square Garden right it is the Mecca right
2: well you know uh, <laughs> let me think for a second uh you know the where the Nets play that's a nice arena too yes
0: it is I like that arena Barkley Center yeah yeah
2: yeah the Barclays Center yeah, yeah I mean you know yeah, I mean, the Madison Square Garden thing, I wonder if, they, as you know, I feel like that gets overplayed yes, a little I bit.
0: that's why I thought I'd give you the opportunity. But,
2: uh, <laughs> but uh, okay, fine. <laughs> I mean, you know, the way the Kentucky players and the Duke players were talking, it's very, very special to them, Yeah, yeah. which is the important thing. So, think- okay. I think Kentucky,
0: yeah. uh, Kentucky's going – the team is going to be in Madison Square Garden on Sunday to watch the Knicks play the Cavs. Deb Moore was telling me that uh, before the game, and then Cal talked about it after the game. Of course, part of that is, I mean, with all the Kentucky connections on the Knicks, chance to see Kenny Payne right. and uh, Julius Randle and Quickly <laughs> and all those guys. So, uh,
2: Right. Jacob Toppins, of course, his brother right. plays right. Knicks. So he, and Jacob says, you know, they're, he's, they're going to the game. They'll watch uh, – OB and the Knicks play. And then the next night, OB will be there to watch uh, his younger brother play right. for Kentucky. Right. So, so that'd, that'd be night. neat.
0: Yeah, that'd be neat. That'd be neat. Well, be sure and follow Jerry on Twitter, Jerry T- at Jerry Tipton, right, Jerry?
2: And, yes, I believe so.
0: Yeah, and then uh, follow coverage online on Kentucky.com and in the print edition of the Herald-Leader leading up to the game on Tuesday night, during and after the game. And, Jerry, we really appreciate you being on the podcast.
2: And have a safe Sure, trip. Anytime. Have, a,
0: have a good trip to New York.
2: Thanks. Talk to you later.
0: Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. My thanks to Steve Wiseman of the Raleigh News and Observer and Jerry Tipton of the Lexington Herald-Leader. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. Go to the top of my Twitter feed, the pinned tweet. You'll see all the information you need about the Sports Pass, sports-only digital subscription to Kentucky.com. It's $30 for the first year. You get all of our U.K. basketball coverage with Jerry, U.K. football coverage with Josh Moore, U.K. recruiting with Ben Roberts, $30 for the first year, Check that out or go to Kentucky.com, hit on the subscription tab. it will tell you about all of the offers for subscriptions to Kentucky.com and the Lexington Herald Leader. We appreciate everybody who supports our work at the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Appreciate everybody who listens to the podcast, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, or our radio podcast. Everybody who leaves a rating and review, we really appreciate that. That just helps get the word out about the podcast. Again, plenty of coverage leading up to Tuesday night's game between Kentucky and Duke in the Champions Classic, 9.30 start at Madison Square Garden. You can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. I'll have, even though I won't be in New York, I will have updates online on my John Clay Sidelines blog. Look for that. Look for cover- my takeaways after the game as well. Look for all of our coverage from the Kentucky-Duke game. Again, thanks to Steve Wiseman of the Raleigh News and Observer and Jerry Tippett, the Lexington Leader. And thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you next time on the John Clay Podcast.